0: It's time for Building Running the, game, the, game, building the game, building game with Jason and friends, for Tabletop the Game, the is on the
1: game fun with Jason and friends, with It's at the end of the episode. That's
0: when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is episode 469 on Monday, May 24th. His name is Jason. <laughs> that's, and that's what you need Chris. to know. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, it's good to hear your, uh, your moderating voice once again, sir. How are you doing? Moderate. How are you? My, moderate. Yes, yes. So for <laughs> any of you who, who don't know who this is, I'm sorry, first of all, for you. Uh, but uh, this uh, we've got with us uh, Chris Misho, better known as your moderator, Chris, formerly of Flip the Table, now just of the internets in general. Just the Charles so. Nelson Riley of Board Game <laughs> Podcast. Yes. The,
0: uh, the third tier guest who uh, kind of fills a gap now and then. And that's uh, that's what we do.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Nothing Nothing wrong, with,
0: wrong that. with that. It it keeps me busy. So it's uh
1: it does. It does. So how uh, how things how things been? Things going okay?
0: Things are going uh pretty great. Uh I'm uh, pretty excited. Uh, the kids are doing well. Um I think I've I've added one since we last talked on
1: the podcast. <laughs>
0: Yes, I, yes, either either I added one since, or like the last time we did one of these, uh, she was like just born or something.
1: It was. But, uh, I feel like it was just before, but it might have been just after. So something like yes. That. So two. So I know two we now, talked just before.
0: Yep, Roz and, and Ruby are both doing very very well. Awesome. And, and uh, Roz is into game shows now, which is fun. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, she. Uh, so we 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 let her stay up a little bit later now. Uh, because she's six and eight o'clock is just a little too early for her to mm-hmm, go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, But the deal we made was that if you're going to stay up later, you're going to watch what mom and dad watch. And so <laughs> we still we still curate a little bit like there's things we yeah, don't yeah, watch yeah. around a six year old. But we will put on a game show or something that whether or not she likes it is is not going to warp her mind forever. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. And so she started getting into game shows and started kind of playing along a little bit. And and so we caught her playing Name That Tune with her dolls three months ago.
1: Oh, like, that's fantastic. She was,
0: she was mimicking and recreating the episode of Name That Tune uh, <laughs> that she had watched the other night. But she, of course, didn't remember any of the song titles. So it was just like random word salad. Like, is the song called I Believe You Can Make It? Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. You are doing parenting right, sir. Doing yeah. it right. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Oh, that's that is fantastic. Yeah, our our kids. We don't watch a lot of game shows. Um, like, but what our kids have become really into is the, when they stay up later. Um, are like the uh the house buying shows or the home renovation shows like HGTV Fair Property Uh, Brothers? They love yeah. We uh we got them to start watching a show called Buying Alaska with us, and they they've watched every episode of that show because we had them all on DVR, and they went back and watched every single one, and they love them. So yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. The uh the Property Brothers was the one that Roz got into, and she Mm -hmm. she. And she got so excited about it that she started asking if we could sledgehammer parts of the house and redo it. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, because in her new eyes, that's just a normal thing that people do, right? Is they they right, break right. up part of the house and then they, they make it new. And she was, she, she was insistent that she could do it herself and uh, oh, that she could hack fantastic. it. So uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and that's a, that's a fun one because it's one of those shows that has kind of the same arc every time, like, Okay, mm-hmm. we're look at these three houses well, we don't know which one we're gonna have. okay, we're gonna have this one. okay, it's gonna cost this much, but there might be snakes in the ceiling, and then <laughs> they come back from the break and I was like, turns out there was just one snake in the ceiling. everything is fine, so I thought it
1: was a whole nest of 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 a thousand, we, but no it was it was just one
0: we 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 thought you had flying rats. you just had regular rats, so it cost <laughs> it we stayed within your budget. congratulations so um see so right, yeah that's right. that's a fun one
1: that formula where something always like fixer upper, my kids like that for a while. And on that one, it was always literally like time to make the call to let them know that there's a problem and that it's going to cost more money. And some of these, it's like a 500,000 a house so like, listen, we got to let you know something's went wrong. It's going to cost another $3,000. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, just, just, just do it. Yeah. That's why are you calling me? Why are you calling me? So, there was one episode they like to do these things where they'd be like, Hey, we've got a little bit of extra money in your budget. So for fifteen hundred dollars, we could do this, or we could do this, or we could do this. And the one person was like, Could we just do all three of them? <laughs>
0: <Like, laughs> totally break the show. And they're like,
1: Yeah, yeah, we we guess so. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Yeah, or somehow it always oh, conveniently
0: it the the renovations they want to do cost exactly what their budget is. Right. I don't know how that always happens. Oh. But- <laughs> how is that?
1: Uh if you want to watch a show that's really great because in the end someone is always disappointed, I highly recommend uh Love It or List It because the two people, like, you know, the one person is trying to fix up their house, uh, and then in the end, and the other person is trying to sell them a new house that's better. Um, uh, in the end, they decide which one they're going to do, and it just cracks me up because like one of the hosts is always upset at the end because they either like hated the house they (laughs) renovated or hated every house that the guy showed them. So yeah, but neither of the hosts are likable.
0: So it's, it's it's, true. It's, it always ends well for the home viewer. The
1: The home viewer is always like,
0: like, yeah, we really stuck it to that. Unlikable person.
1: I know the only person I like (laughs) is the contractor. So right. Who's like, they want to do what for how much money? I can't do that. And then she's like, "I just need you to do it." And he's like, "Okay." Like it just works out. Oh, oh yes. Oh well, we should probably talk about games, maybe. This
0: is this is what I show up for. Honestly, is is the first five to seven minutes, and then, and then the and rest of it pays out. the bill for that. Really. So. Yes.
1: Oh. Oh yeah. So you uh, brought a topic you wanted to chat about tonight. And I did this thing now where, so that I don't say the topic incorrectly or say it in a way that's not as, you know, you're hoping to chat about it. I've started letting the guests tell me. Explain what you want to talk about.
0: So it's like uh, that one episode of Seinfeld where Kramer is just being movie phone and is just, why don't (laughs) you just tell me what you want to (laughs) see? Why don't you just tell me what tonight's topic is? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Let's do it. So this is inspired by the most recent Button Shy 18-card uh, challenge. Uh, yeah. So just to take a context of this uh, episode, I'm sure everybody who listens to this has heard of the Button Shy and their 18-card games and their occasional contests. But just to set the stage, um, the, the most recent contest, which has a $100 prize and could potentially get your game published, which could make you some more money, uh, is to create an 18-card role-playing game. And the goal is to sort of merge the tabletop and role-playing experience, right? And, and make a game that appeals to both people who enjoy the fantasy and imagination of role-playing games, but also tabletop gamers who who don't necessarily uh, want to get into deep, complex role-playing experiences, like a crossover game. And that got me thinking about mm-hmm. how... Often over the years, we don't see them incredibly often, but maybe once or twice a year there's a game that comes out that attempts to be a crossover game. It is both a floor wax and a dessert topping. It's trying to be both a role-playing game and a tabletop game. It's it's marketed, You you would buy it where you buy tabletop games, but it plays like a role-playing game. So I thought it might be interesting from a design perspective to talk about what those are and and what kind of challenges they pose to, um, design and, and how someone might be able to be successful, uh, designing one of those from the position of expertise of having never done that. So (laughs) it's just pure speculation, but, uh, but that's what game design is. It's like we take our best guess at what we think could work and then we try it. Right. So that is
1: absolutely true. Yes. So, um, Absolutely true, yeah, so yeah, there's I mean, gosh, there are so many things I, I think the one thing I want to just throw out there first that I see is kind of the biggest challenge or pitfall that I always run into whenever I try to think about these crossover games because I looking through the lists of crossover games, what I've realized is I have not played hardly any of them um not because I don't want to, but just because the group that I play with wouldn't want to, right yeah, um it's an
0: it's a niche within a niche right? Right. Because both role-playing games and board games are kind of a niche hobby. And it's now you're carving out the center of the Venn diagram.
1: (laughs) I was going (laughs) to say, it's literally the center of the Venn diagram. Right. And it's a very small center. I think it's a center that would be bigger if more people had like, um, um, that, that I, you know, like it could be bigger if people realized that it's fun. right? Right. Um, I think board games outside of the board gaming world used to have a pretty big stigma of like kids play board games. Right. Right. And role-playing games had, you know, the devil's, you know, sanctuary, the um, whole eighties uh, happened uh, to yes, role-playing yes, games. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maces and monsters during right. Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> but, but basically like, you know, the stigma for board games is absolutely, I think gone for the most part. Right. Like if you think board games are stupid, you are never going to like board games, right? right? I mean, you're just, you're not the audience. But most, more and more people are just like, oh, board games are cool. But then you've got role playing games, which are still, they're kind of that next step, right? Um, and so, yeah, that the idea of that crossover game, I think the biggest thing I've run into when trying to play test that type of stuff that I've worked on really is the people going, Like, oh, oh, you want me to role play? Like, I have to do like a funny voice or something? Like, what does that mean? Like, oh, I don't, can we just play cards? Like, I don't want to, you know. So that to me has always been the biggest wall that I've hit. And later I can talk about some success I've had in that design side. But but that's, I think, the biggest pitfall that I see. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Yeah, I I can see that too, because a lot of people who gravitate toward uh, board games are people who may have tried role-playing games and for whatever reason, it wasn't for them, which is not to say right. that there aren't a ton of people who like board games who also like role-playing games and like both equally mm-hmm. or, or as much as each other. I, I personally was a role-playing guy for many, no. many many years until probably about 10 years ago. And I just kind of gradually shifted away from role-playing games and into board games. It's just a change in the phase of my life and, and what my needs were. Right. But, right. um, But you have the challenge of of the people who want a more mechanical, defined experience where the circle is drawn very neatly and you know what the rules are and what you can and can't do. And then you also have the flip side of that, where folks who are very used to role-playing games are very used to experiences where rules are secondary, right? So, you know, if you've ever played any role-playing game ever, 100% one hundred percent of the time, uh, there are rules being bent at some point. Even in these sort of yeah, the the crunchiest like, you, you, I run second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. We're gonna follow every encumbrance rule to the copper. We're gonna do everything exactly <laughs> by the book. At some point, somebody's gonna say, "Eh, that die roll didn't make sense. Why don't you try that again?" Like something like that. Right, um, right. Or the DM
1: and- is you know shifting things behind the screen. Right. Where right. oh, I'm gonna give that a plus one or a minus one because you know, yeah.
0: It's 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 for the story, right? It's it's for right, right. It's more about the experience, and that's so it can be frustrating to role players when any mechanical thing seems to interrupt that storytelling uh, experience, right? And, and if and if and in a tabletop game, the expectation is generally. Um, you know, we we stick to the rules. That's what we do here. And in role playing, right. it's we fudge the rules. That's what we do here. <laughs> and so, right, right, right. And so I think the challenge with a crossover game is how do you set the right tone and expectation going into it, knowing that you can't please everybody, and you should never design a game to try to please everybody. But but how do you capture the right mindset for players going in. So they're more likely to understand what you're trying to do and, and get the experience you're trying to get across. Um, And so, you know, I, I, when I, I think it might be useful to talk about like some, some of these crossover games that have come out over maybe the last 10 years and whether we Mm -hmm, have or haven't mm -hmm. played them, maybe Um, I tweeted about this and, and people mentioned the adventure zone game, which I certainly have not played, but I've heard lots of things about.
1: Same, same.
0: Yeah. Um, but people do say that it's, it's definitely a board game, but it definitely plays like a role playing game. So it is the magic secret sauce. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's where we're trying to get, and we have no idea how they got there. Cause we haven't read the rules or played it. So,
1: <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I think that, you know, part of it is if you're trying to make that true kind of center of, of gravity, the, the perfect balance point, right. of Of the two games, it's, you know, a big portion of it. And this is something we've talked about a bit on the show. Gosh, who knows how many episodes ago, but probably a million, um, give or take. But the idea of saying, you know, cherry picking the best of both things, right? Um, You know, cherry picking. What are the things that make a role playing game fun as a role playing game? And, And I think that a lot of people would agree that it's the slight fudging of the rules. It's the story driven, you know, ideas of it, right? Um, and, and what makes a board game fun are, are a lot of different things, right? It's, it's following the rules, but it's, it's very well, I think the most fun board games, when you're talking about like a regular board game are are board games that have a good balance, right? They work well, they've been tested well. the rules work, which is why you don't need to fudge them, um, to, you know, to make these, to make, to make it fun as you sometimes need to in a role-playing game. And I'm sure there are role players that are scoffing at these at these ideas.
0: <laughs> There's everybody that's scoffing at everything, right? I mean, these are these are very broadly general statements. We could do a whole hour on just people who play role playing games that follow every rule to the T versus people who play role playing games that follow no rules whatsoever and, and don't even right, use right. a rule book, right? And and the whole history of that and how that's developed over the years. Um but if if we're speaking just from a very broad perspective um role-playing games generally the story and narrative is what matters but i I think the Mm -hmm. atom of that is i want to make creative imaginative decisions and i want those decisions to have impact on the game world and on my character
1: and that is
0: the end goal and there are a million different theories about what combination of rules versus rules fudging is right for that right Right. Uh, whereas, Certainly more
1: freedom, though, than you'd see in a standard board game, right? Yeah.
0: Whereas in board games, yeah, I mean, it's it's more like, if you're talking about fudging rules, usually it's in terms of, I created a variant, but everybody has right, to follow right, these right. rules, right? Or, right? or maybe you might talk about, I made a decision on my turn that was not an optimal decision, and my group's social expectation is it's okay if I unwind that once in a while. Like yes, that's,
1: yes, yep. Like, you know oh, as as opposed to just like yeah.
0: making up a whole mechanism in the middle of the game to handle <laughs> right. a situation that wasn't accounted for when the designer was building it.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that, the fudging of the Oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. It's like yeah, take it back, just just fix it. It's cool. Right. It's cool.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh but but then that's like, you know, this sort of and I suppose that's where the 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 two meet is like that sort of like consensus agreement that that's kind of fudging is okay to create a better experience for everybody. Right. Um, whereas, but, but in that case, it's usually like a one-off exception and not Mm -hmm. like, you know, I've played in role-playing games before where somebody just comes up with an entire game mechanism in the moment to handle the situation that they didn't have in the book. And they're like, well, You know, I don't want to just flip a coin, so we'll, we'll, you know, what's your, this stat and add it to that stat and, you know, we'll, we'll do it like this. Right, right. Um,
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: In the uh, conversations we were having on Twitter too, uh, people gave a lot of examples of board games that in and of themselves work mechanically, but you are encouraged to role play as part of the experience. Gloom came up.
1: Right, right yeah uh, yeah yeah
0: yeah where where it's like you could play that game completely mechanically and just play it as a card game but the game encourages you explicitly to tell stories about what's happening as you go and that's mm-hmm. supposed to be a part mm-hmm. of the experience um so I, I guess you could call that a example of a crossover game um where they're adding right, right. role playing to the board game experience then you also have the uh the board games that are inspired by the role-playing experience, I'm thinking of like a Descent, right? Um, oh,
1: that's a good point, yeah. Yep. Like
0: like those, like the dungeon crawl type games where it's sort of, I want to level up a character and I want to beat monsters, but I kind of, the only narrative I want is one that's created by the game, and and but I still want to fit strictly within a set of rules. I don't want to fudge. I don't right. want right. to come up with actions that are outside of the predefined actions that you can take in the game, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think any game that that tells a story especially the games that have scenario that are scenario based where they tell a unique story that is not repeatable right right i think those games certainly put the players in the mindset even if you're not physically you know role-playing those parts um it does put you in that mindset and i think another thing that that really ties those two together um Uh, me being a huge fan of like variable player stuff, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. my character can do different things than you. I mean, that is a fundamental thing about most crunchy role playing systems, especially right. Is that my character is unique and your character is unique. Whereas many times in board games, at least the base start of the game is all of our characters are that we have a mover and that mover does things. And that's, that's it. Right. You know I mean? That's, um, and then the way you play determines kind of how that works um, but I do think that that's, that is a, a tight similarity that could be played on to help, you know, people kind of, you know, get their their head around that if they're not used to the role playing side of things.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, I think it's, it's got to exist on a spectrum, right? You know, there is, is going to be a certain amount of creative imagination that is not dependent on the mechanisms of the game. Um, versus the mechanisms that sort of constrain you. I I think that's why a lot of people play role-playing games in the first place, because they want some of that constraint, right? Um, Right, right. Although you've seen a big change since 1979, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, way back when role-playing games first became a thing, everything was very rigidly determined, right? Mm -hmm. And now, even though I haven't played role-playing games terribly actively since like the 90s and aughts, um in the last 10 years I have played a game called Worldwide Wrestling a lot which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. a uh, an amazing role playing game based in professional wrestling and it is in the powered by the apocalypse system which I know little about other than the fact that it's in this game that I like a lot and it's in a lot <laughs> of other games and the core mechanism of it is very similar where you only right, ever right. roll two dice the difficulty levels are set um, and so, of course, rolling two six-sided dice that automatically gives it some familiarity, right? Like, right, Everybody's right. used to rolling a pair of dice, um, and just it's it's intended to be very, very narrative-driven, but sort of in the players' control more than maybe the game master's control. Like, uh, you get okay, a little bit more that's narrative. Yeah. Uh, so, to, so to give the example from Worldwide Wrestling, um, when you have narrative control you're basically the game master at that point. You decide everything that happens up until you reach a critical point, which may pivot the story. And then you roll the dice and it determines what's the result of that. And do you, do you keep control? Do you yield control to your opponent? Does the game master step in and adjust things kind of? So it gives a little of that secret sauce to the players, which is kind of neat. And and I kind of feel like, the button side challenge is trying to capture a little bit of that because it, it, yes. they, they specifically ask in the rules of the challenge, uh, which
1: have we even mentioned that at this point in the recording? Have we? The challenge? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, yeah. Um, I don't okay. think we mentioned the rules. No, we didn't. Uh, we did not. We should do that. We should yeah. do that.
0: Okay. So the, uh, the 18 card challenge. Uh, so just to kind of run the, down the parameters a little bit, it's going to have 18 cards, poker sized, um, not cards that you tear up or modify by the players. You can add dice, either one set of three dice or one full set of polyhedral dice. Um, The rules have to fit onto three pages of a Google Doc, so you can't just shrink them way down to make a super complex game. Uh, And uh, you can add character sheets effectively if you want. Um, And the important things is no game master. They should be able to be playable by both casual and experienced role players. The gameplay should be card-based. Lower player counts are good if possible, and there's a couple of other uh, kind of little bullets there, but that's kind of like the big ones mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. this is trying one to. One of do.
1: one of them was no D and D light games, though, which right. I did think was interesting. Saying like, do not make a D and D, because everybody um, does that, right?
0: That's yeah. it's kind of the most common thing. Is people say like, what if D and D was right. slightly different? And that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> which all D and D players, frankly, do. That's
1: <laughs> it's D and D, but I changed some things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do, there have been in the last several years and, you know, quite last, quite a few years, more and more games that have really subverted, I think, normal expectations of what, what we grew up with role-playing games as, you know, where you're thinking about games that are um, not crunchy at all, right? They're very story-driven. Um, you know, you're not doing anything, you know, hardly crunch-wise. One of my favorites of those is Dread. Uh, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if you're familiar with dread, but you know, the first thing that came to mind when you started
0: describing that was dread.
1: Yeah. You know, where? Hey, what's the system? Hey, pull, pull Jenga blocks. And the, the game master will tell you how many to take. Like, it's that simple. (laughs) And if the tower falls over, you probably died. Great. (laughs) And it's, it is like, it is the best system I've seen that ratchets up tension, right? Like organically, like, Oh yeah, (laughs) this tower is going to fall at some point. It's going to be bad. But what a great
0: illustration of the core of what role-playing games are trying to do. Mm-hmm. It is, we are playing a game of pretend in which there is an element of uncertainty. And I'm right. going to make right. the best decisions that I can, but I never know, in those dramatic moments at least, how it's going to go. And and so right. I'm going to be right. surprised when I find out... Um, and so that eliminates the arguments of I did this, no, you didn't, even though I mean sometimes that happens anyway, but um right, right, right. Yeah. So so what a great distillation of that idea is that you don't know when the Jenga Tower is gonna fall.
1: Right. But you know it will not be a good thing when it does. Right. And you hope that it's not when you didn't want it to happen, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um Yeah, thinking about this contest too. I think, you know, really the idea that you don't have to have a game master, right? Or you don't have to have, you know, it's it's mostly player driven without a game master. Like I, those I think, at least to me, are some of the hardest role playing games to come up with. Yeah, especially if it's gonna be, um, especially if it's going to be like more is um not a game a board game style one right like this because it can be a crossover um I think it makes it a little easier because you've got the rules to follow and then people you know work through that um but otherwise I feel like when there's no game master it's like you just kind of at least for me I'm always like I'll just default back to storytelling because that's kind of the easiest way to do it right yeah because it's... storytelling there's no rules anyways
0: right exactly the, the closest I've very played very few of these game master lists ones, just because, I mean, that's the format I grew up with, right? Um, I played one called Scarlet Wake. This was late 90s, early 2000s. It was like this print and play that I found on a forum somewhere, and uh, and it, then it kind of turned into vapor. You, it might still be out there, but it, it basically fashioned itself as Kill Bill, the role-playing game.
1: Oh, but interesting. The,
0: but the concept of that is that everybody was their own character, and they had this sort of list of five targets they wanted to get revenge on. And they took turns being the game master and everybody else was the characters in their world. So it kind of their approach to it was to turn it on his head. So it's, it's not that it was game master less it's that everybody kind of took turns doing. it.
1: Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, And I mean, I I know I I can't think of any other games off the top of my head, but I know there are other games that have used that rotating kind of hot seat game master. Um, So, one game I'd like to talk about real quick. So this is actually a game that I designed with uh, with Banana Chan um, that that falls squarely into this crossover. Um, and the way we did it was we did it with a party game um, because with a party game, people want to be silly anyways. People are you know making a fool of themselves. Uh, so let's make it let's let's make role playing be a part of it and encourage people to do that. and And the game we were working on is called Life of the Party. And the idea is that you are um, you are at a party. Um, You're there's a bunch of humans at a party. Uh, However, uh, a ghost uh, travel agency has sold tickets to some ghosts to come in and possess you (laughs) uh, and play a game and practice possessing you. And uh, because you bought the cheap package, there's always going to be one extra human. So this will be one extra meaty person sitting around who doesn't have a spirit. And, uh, also because you bought the cheap package, you can only stay them for three minutes at a time. <laughs> and so what'll happen in that. T- <laughs> so what happens is, uh, the game, uh, works where you've got, um, six spirits that are there. Uh, it's always six spirits. Um, or no, it's always a certain, yeah, it's always a certain set amount of spirits. And then, um, each spirit will get some traits, uh, randomly assigned to them that are super random weird stuff. Like I died in the 1800s or I'm a really big fan of, you know, uh, new age, Music, whatever, something right like a new wave is what I was going to say actually, but uh, so something like that, right? And then, uh, so everybody gets secretly assigned one of these spirits, and then a topic card comes out, and then you use the topic and uh to have a discussion, and you have a three minute discussion where uh, everyone is role playing as a spirit, uh, based on the other. each spirit will have three traits, you only pick two of them, and you role play with those traits. So you're asking each other questions, talking about the topic, but you're trying to get out of people, which spirit they are, right? And of course one person, still a human. Uh ghosts have to tell the truth, but humans can lie their pants off, because that's what humans like to do. Uh so when you're the human, you can pretend to be another ghost. Um and uh yeah, yeah. So so that we've had a lot of success with that. And and I really, um I really put that to the idea that um that people are getting to say, okay, we're just having a conversation, right? Like I'm having a conversation, it's relatable, but right? I know, yeah, but I know these two things about me, right? So it's really low pressure. You don't have to act like a character, um, which I know can be a tough thing for some people. Um, you just have a conversation. Um, and no one really knows if you're doing it wrong because people are going to guess who you are, but if you screwed up and nobody guessed who you were, you get a penalty on your points, but like it's, it's quick, right? It's quick. And you move to the next round. Nobody's like, Oh, Chris really blew that one. Wow. You know,
0: nor is there um, going to be any critique about like, why didn't you take these skills? How do I, right. you know, you should have my this. different things that I can get to get the most, you know, bonus points on this die roll. Like it, it kind of takes the mathiness out of it. And, and I yeah. think, I think you raise an excellent point about how there's a lot of party games out there that are stealth role-playing games, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. You know, that's a great example. Um, and, uh, you know, you think of pitching games like, but wait, there's more, Snake Oil, uh, yep. Fun yep. Employed, uh, you know, um, I would even dare say Flip the Table, Darling, Heartthrob, and its successor, yeah. Dream Crush are in some ways a, a role playing game because you you sort of tend to inhabit a character when you play those games right mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so so that's a that's a great point and and I think that's a good way to to frame it is that you know something like this 18 card challenge maybe it encourages role playing but it's not necessarily you're part of an adventuring party of some sort and you have to defeat right. the the big boss or whatever
1: I think one of my favorite games I've ever played as an unintentional role playing game. I haven't played a lot of those though. <laughs> Rob, a lot of times if we were playing a pirate game, Rob's like, I'm going to do a pirate voice. And I'm like, shut up. But um, <laughs> he doesn't, he just keeps talking. Uh, but anyways, uh, is the Mansky caper by Calliope games designed by my friend, Ken Franklin. Um, So when he runs that game for you, he runs it as, as Mr. Mansky, the mob boss, whose house you're breaking into. And you feel like you're role playing the game as the character you are because he is role playing as a game master in a game masterless game, right? Like he's doing all the little stuff for you, getting, keeping the game flowing, keeping it interesting. And like, it makes you like, it's infectious, right? It makes you want to role play. Um, and it makes it comfortable. And I, I just love that about, I love that about that game uh, to the point where it's a super fun game to play, but it's so much more fun when he's running it because he just <laughs> makes the experience so intriguing and fun. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, I think that's a, a thing that's often overlooked, right? Because you don't have a lot of that, right? You know, when somebody's uh, teaching you a game or demoing a game for you, they're not that into it. And he is. And I love that about that. So, yeah, that that really jumps out at me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing to think about is, you know, how do you how do you blend the two? And and you certainly see a lot of games where people just enjoy the narrative of the game so much they can't mm-hmm. help but inhabit a character. Right, right. And to to a point where some players complain if another player is doing what their character would do rather than what the player should be doing to win.
1: Right. <laughs> this isn't a Tarantino movie. It's a board game. Come on. Right. <laughs> He's
0: like, well, I would do this if I wanted to win, but I feel like my character would do this
1: instead. So I <laughs> it's like the the person playing the helicopter pilot in Forbidden Island is like, "You know, I feel like I just kind of leave without you guys. I got to be right. honest. Like this I don't is... think I'd come back for you. I I don't have that much willpower. <laughs> I'm it not save my own butt yeah, here. Yeah. We got two out of four of the treasures. I got something for that? <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> or or it could be like the infamous time when I played the um Star Trek video uh vcr role-playing game uh and i uh ran away i took an escape pod and got away while everyone else died yeah uh, it was flip the right decision you won didn't you yeah i did so you played your a... character yeah yeah and you won yeah. so that's and, uh <laughs> and flip flory has never forgotten forgotten it and still mentions it any time that i talk to him i swear so it's like hey traitor
0: jason that's a <laughs>
1: I'm the only person in that game that survived, and I got a triple for it. So, yeah. yeah like, there you look. go. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, now, and now you have several, and that's how that works.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, that's why we moved to our new house, because the old house was, was full. So, yeah. <laughs> full we, just, we just moved. <laughs> <laughs> we just told the new buyers, don't open that door, or you'll <laughs> <don't> regret that. <laughs> the third act really of pretty brothers.
0: <laughs> Hold on. Let's open up this wall. Uh oh. no, troubles. we got a triple problem here. This is gonna cost an extra six hundred dollars to fix.
1: <laughs> do you wanna fix it or do you wanna just let it go?
0: <laughs> we could we could avoid moving the fireplace three inches and that might save you the money you need for this. I mean it, it oh, my you wouldn't have a symmetrical dining room, but you'd be rid of the troubles.
1: So <laughs> Which I've I've heard I've heard their trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere there's somebody who's never seen Star Trek who's like, "What are they talking about?" Just,
0: just, just Google it, friend. I uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Um, there's all right. resources out there?
1: So, what do we think? Like, we we talked about things that that work. I, I'm curious if anything comes to mind as something. You know, in the, in the beginning, I talked about kind of like a hurdle to jump, but like, is there anything like red flags like that you feel like really don't work with a crossover like this? Like, what are the parts that are really outside of the Venn diagram, like on the far-flung edges, right? So, I, I don't know if anything is necessarily
0: outside. I think it's more just execution uh, and... You know, trying to figure out what the experience is that you're gonna try to create and then figuring out how to ex- execute on that. Like, an example of that is um a game I pitched on this show that I think I submitted to the contest. It did not win, but it was a fun experience too. Uh, uh, that's a game called Dumpstat, which.
1: That game um, was brilliantly fun, okay? I appreciate, brilliantly fun. I appreciate
0: that. I appreciate that. Uh the the goal of it was uh there's is a role playing game with a winner and a loser which you don't see a lot of because it was trying to be that tabletop experience but uh the idea was you wanted to have the most experience points at the end you earned more experience points if you used your bad stats for things but if mm-hmm. you if you failed too much you could get killed and eliminated from the game which would be a bad thing um and the the sh- the struggle that i had with that which i think with some more development we could try to could have figured out was how to balance out like the big risk taking, which was supposed to be the big moment of the game with just frustrating players. Right. Um, <laughs>
1: right. Sometimes. You
0: know, I, I mean, it with the right group, right. Folks were okay with sort of, you know sticking their neck out and and reveling in failure right like i'm gonna try this impossible thing which probably shouldn't work if it does it's gonna be a great big moment if it doesn't i'm gonna describe the most amazing failure ever and that's how we're gonna (laughs) have fun it's gonna be all about us stepping on rakes all night and and doing that and (laughs) but that's an example of setting of expectation up front right how you introduce and teach that game makes such a difference in that experience Mm -hmm. because if you're saying okay the object of the game is to win you only win if you do badly but if you do too badly you don't win like players (laughs) could potentially if they're not understanding oh this is a game about having fun describing failures Uh, right. Right. They could just get really frustrated. It's like, well, I I'm, it's the fifth round. I have no experience points. I have no chance of winning. Like, (laughs) so, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, so, so that's where I think it's, it's tricky is you really have to decide what is the nugget of fun you're trying to create? What is the core of the experience and then incentivize that as much as you possibly can Because tabletop gamers are used to be incentivized through mechanism, right? It's like if I take the right actions, I will get the cookie at the end. And so I think that's what makes it hard is because for a tabletop gamer, how do you incentivize imagination, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Role-playing games
0: Mm -hmm. do it often through like, hey, your game master will will throw you an extra couple of cookies if you have a clever play or you come up with a cool line or something like that. Um, tabletop games are used to a much more defined experience around that. And so...
1: Well, then, I, I think too with role-playing games, I mean, it's just as much of the... Like, okay, you're... For instance, like, in... in uh, Let's say we're playing Castle Panic as, as the board game, right? Our job is to is to keep the bad guys away using these mechanics. Now, in a role playing version of that game, our job is to make a plan on how we're going to keep them away. Right. Mm -hmm. And the better that plan is, the more chance of success right now. Well, of course, you're making a plan in the in the board game. That plan is a lot more straightforward is to here are our mechanisms, here's what we can do. Um, But there's nothing constraining you. Beyond, you know, beyond the your stats right in mm-hmm. the uh, role playing game. And you can certainly l- do things that will help your mitigate the issues of your stats, right? Mitigate that randomness.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 tricky. And, and of course, Castle Panic is another example of a game where people could get into the role playing aspect of it. And then absolutely, you know, and then just make a bad decision on purpose and just Leroy Jenkins their way to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a good story later, I guess not necessarily victory, but, um, yeah. to a so, story so that I, they I, I think
1: is great. And no one else enjoys. <laughs>
0: right. That's, that's one of those things I've heard is the most interesting thing in the world is your role-playing character. And the least interesting thing in the world is everyone else's role-playing character. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I think uh, so. So I think crossovers are an interesting challenge. I, I think if you can do it, I think it's a brilliant experience, and and it's just you know it's it's that next level up of of how do you serve both masters and serve them well.
1: Hmm. For sure, for sure. I mean, it's certainly you know the, one of the most important parts of games are memorable experiences, and I think when you do a crossover like this, right you are more likely to have memorable experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think it just lends itself to that for sure. So you so. said you were going to pitch a game. You promised me you were going to pitch a game. You didn't tell yeah. me if it was about this sort of thing or not. You just I'm going to
0: try to pitch something that could fit within the parameters of, of this challenge. I'm going to give it a shot. All right. Um, and if you've listened to Flip the Table and you've heard us play a game called Justin's and Bieber's, you're going to recognize some familiar <laughs> elements of that. Uh, this is this is sort of a way to adapt that experience to the 18 card challenge, and maybe it's successful, maybe it isn't, but it'll be interesting discussion either way. I think. Um, so I'll Fantastic. I'll, I'll kind of take it from the top. Uh, so 18 cards um, to describe the components first well first of all the object of the game is at the end of the game you have a single 20-sided die somebody in your party of adventurers needs to roll a 20 on that die to beat the big boss at the end so you're gonna play several rounds of the game and at the end you're gonna roll 20 sided die you get a 20 you win and if nothing else happens you got a one in 20 shot of of winning the game the goal of the game is to try to build <laughs> yourselves up, to mitigate that and make it easier for you to meet that final challenge. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, um, but really, it's a game that's more about sort of yes and and, and describing what's going on and uh, and less about decisions actually mattering. So, um, so it's 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 more of a sort of a, a fun improv game than it is uh, a role playing game, but we'll give it a shot. So, um, here's how this works. Um, the components of the game is Each player gets three cards, which represent one of three choices you could make. And and this could take a few different Mm -hmm. forms. For example, it could literally just have a one, a two, and a three on it, like maybe three different doors that you could go through. Uh, Maybe they're double-sided in that if you turn them, you know, 180 degrees, it has like a stat on it, like brains, muscle... um, you know, running away or something like that. Um, some sort of decision that you could make my
1: stat and running away is so good. So, so maybe, maybe
0: the choices are confront outwit and avoid or something mm-hmm. like that. Um,
1: much more tactical. Yes.
0: But, um, there are enough of those cards. If my math is right, um, for four players. So each person gets a hand of, of three of those cards I suppose you could buy a second set if you wanted to add more players to it. I certainly wouldn't buy a third. that It would probably wouldn't go well. <laughs> um, so, um, here's how this works. Three of the cards represent the possible outcomes of these choices. All right? Everybody starts as a level one character. And I'm going to describe this in fantasy terms because I think it's just the most relatable for the sake of this 10-minute discussion. You could certainly frame this as cyberpunk or Old West or you know, vampires in the modern city streets, whatever role-playing you want to do. But we'll uh, frame it as just sort of a basic role-playing. So three possible outcomes to each choice that you're going to make. One is you gain experience. You gain a level. So if you make that choice, congratulations, you level up. The second choice that you could possibly make is to gain a treasure or an item. Um, If you gain an item, it gives you a plus one when you go to fight the big villain at the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a level gives you an extra die roll. An item gives you a plus one. So by the end of the game, you will likely have maybe three or four levels and a plus two or three, depending on how the choices go. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The third possible choice is a point of damage. And each character starts with three health. If you lose three health, you die you're not out of the game, but you have to start over from the beginning with a new character and come up with a oh, new okay, concept yeah. in like 10 seconds to uh, continue the game. And then that character randomly shows up out of nowhere and, and joins the party. So That makes sense. Starting with the first player, um, they describe the first scenario that you run into. So they just make something up off the top of their head as like, this is the thing that you are confronting. Uh, do you do A, B, or C? So it could be one of three choices, like which of these three bottles do you drink from? Or if we're going with the trope of, you know, confront, avoid, outwit, like, do you confront the thing? Do you avoid it? Do you outwit it? Like that kind of thing.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Each person uh, secretly chooses which of the three choices that they would like to make while the player who described the scenario tucks each of these outcomes under the same card face down on the table. So hidden under each one of these choices is the outcome that's going to happen. Uh, Now that they can choose intentionally, which of these are going to be, or they can just shuffle it and do it at random and be as surprised as everyone else. Um, (laughs) So in in the former, you know, maybe that person gets to play along too and make their own choice in the latter. Maybe they're trying to challenge the players to think the situation through and make the most optimal decision. Um, You could go either way with it. Um, but, uh, one at a time, people reveal the choice that they made and describe what it is that they're trying to do. And then the person who seeded the three different outcomes under these three different choices reveals what that choice was and then describes to the person, uh, what happened to them. So let's say, um, I presented you with three doors that you could possibly go through and uh, you pick the one in which you take damage. I describe, oh, you walk into a monster's mouth, the monster bites you, you manage to escape but you take a point right. of damage on the way out. And the next person might have selected the outcome that gets you treasure and says, uh, you pick the lock, the door falls off, you notice it's a monster's mouth, you steal the hinges and you can sell them later. Like, that's... <laughs> you. So, so that's the kind yeah, of tone yeah, yeah. we're going for here, right? Um, yes. So... So after an outcome is revealed, everybody else who may have chosen that outcome also flips their card up, and maybe you do a brief description of what happens to them, too, just to resolve that, and you go through until everybody's choices have been revealed. And then they mark on their sheet whether they took point of damage, whether they gained an item, whether they gained a level. Right, right. You, you go around in a four-player game, for example, until everybody has been the leader of the scenario twice. So Mm -hmm. everybody gets eight opportunities to gain levels, gain bonuses, or possibly take damage and get themselves killed and have to start over. Right, right. Um, At the end, uh, the player with the most levels um, gets to take the first shot at trying to beat the monster. Um, And then uh, you kind of go clockwise from there. Everybody wins if somebody beats the monster. So even one person... Uh, wins. So it's it's it can be a competitive game but at the end it's cooperative. You don't want the game to win. Um but you can sort of have a friendly competition throughout if you want. Um, right, right. And uh and so if somebody manages to get a 20 including their bonuses on any one of the die rolls earned throughout the game, then everybody wins. If everybody loses then hopefully you had a good time anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, just a single twenty sided die, um, a little bit of scratch paper to track your levels, your items. Oh, and you can kind of mm-hmm. write down what items you get. And so you'll end up with a sort of a really silly collection of items because they'll be based right, on whatever right. random scenario people came up with. And so by the right, end, right. it's like i'm I'm gonna throw the trash can lid that I found at them and then defend myself with the sort of box of uh, cap and crunch that I also yes, found. Yes, like that kind of thing. Um, so I, I, think the goal is, is it's light and silly enough that you just kind of make up whatever, and you're encouraged to be very goofy and, and stupid with it. Cause at the end of the mm-hmm. day, particularly if you're just shuffling the choices up, it's not that the choices matter. It's, it's the figuring out the outcome. That's the fun part of it. So,
1: right, right. Yeah. Well, that sounds, that sounds like a really good time. And I, I feel like that fits the bill pretty well for what they're going for.
0: Yeah, and, and it's the kind of thing like even if it wasn't a contest winner with a little bit of decent art and graphic design, you you could just kind of throw it up there like on a PNP arcade mm-hmm. or something similar or an itch. And, Absolutely, uh, just, yeah. And just have it out there for folks to uh, sort of have a little bit of improvisational fun with it. Um, Absolutely. Because it, it's, it's a role-playing game, but it's, it's really an improv game, right?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. It's an improv game with some rules. So yeah. it's a crossover improv game. To a board game. Which was the point. <laughs> Score. Yes. Yeah, and you know, talking about
0: the game masterless thing, maybe the right thing to do is to not even have the person who created the scenario um know what's gonna happen.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: You know, so you know, none of the choices actually have any any merit except for you have a one in three chance of getting what you want. Or mm-hmm. or more a two out of three chance of something that will help you and then a one in three chance that it won't go well. Um,
1: right. Right. It's the Monty Hall problem without the problem. You don't have to <laughs> just well, name that do game. Do you want to do you wanna change the
0: decision that you made? <laughs> yeah. I do that when I'm running prices right for people sometimes and they hate it. They hate it.
1: And the rule is you shouldn't change the decision, right? Right. You're that... not supposed to change yeah. the
0: decision unless. I'm asking you if you're sure you want to do something and then you're not because I'm trying to help you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the deal. Are you deal. sure
1: you want to do that? <laughs> Why don't you take a look at that?
0: Are there any changes that you want to make? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it's usually how that goes.
1: Oh my gosh. So that sounds, yeah, that sounds like a fun fun game. You should put it up somewhere or enter at least enter the contest and then, you know, do something with it either yeah, way. Yeah, what's the worst so that could happen? People could... Play it and not enjoy it. And then that could not negatively affect your life in any way.
0: It's uh, so it's like a 98% of playtesting, really.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's what you do. uh Well, thanks a lot for hanging out with me again. This was a fun, uh fun evening, as it always is when you're involved. So
0: it's a pleasure. Yeah. I, uh, I felt overdue for a visit it's it's been a long time since we've caught up and uh around this time last year i think we we just had a talk on the phone and uh and so it's it's been long overdue i'm I'm always glad to come in and say hello to the builders and uh and to poke my head in so thank you very much for the opportunity
1: yeah absolutely um do you want to is there anything you want to plug do you want to talk about your uh your game show life or you want to keep that incognito
0: so let's run it down. Uh, so flip the table is still a thing. It ended in 2017, but occasionally there's bonus content that comes up. Uh, table If you want to check that out, um, you can buy roll estate at PNP arcade for three bucks. It's a dice game. It's a friend play game. You'll enjoy it. Um, lately though. It's super um, fun. I have been doing sort of these private uh, events uh, where I will take the vintage 1986 prices, right board game, and I will run it for you and your friends and family. Um, and I've been having a blast, uh, doing this. Uh, I've been running it since probably around last August or September. I've had a lot of opportunities to do things like birthday parties and anniversaries and just helping people get together for game night. Um, it is full of multimedia bells and whistles to try to make it a more immersive experience for you. Um, and since none of the prizes are real, I have researched eBay and found a whole bunch of weird fake prizes based on real eBay listings. (laughs) So the the prices themselves that you're guessing are real, they are not necessarily grounded in reality. Um, But it is as much a comedy show as a uh, game show. It runs entirely over Zoom. So whether you're trying to keep social distance and safe from your uh, game group, or uh, if you just have friends and family all over the country and you want to get together on a uh, on a weeknight sometime or a weekend, uh, you can reach out to me at contactflipthetable at gmail.com. Once again, that's contactflipthetable, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can direct message me on Twitter. I am at tableflipsu. My DMs are open for inquiry.
1: And it's, uh, I haven't haven't played the full game yet, but I was one of your early testers. Uh, yes. And even at that point, it was brilliant. So I can only imagine having played it with several groups that you have uh, perfected it. So I, 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 it's on my list of reaching out to you at some point. Uh, to get a group together and do it because yeah because by now i don't remember what any of the, like the content and prices were i just remember that i had a really good time and laughed a lot that's <laughs> so. good
0: well i mean yeah it's been a long time since uh you played so first of all thank you for helping yes. me to kind of pull it together um and uh Happy and to. being one of my first play testers and uh and yeah it's uh it's probably been long enough I, I will tell people it's like an escape room once you've done it you've seen all the answers you know it uh, and so a, it's uh, I do not create a fresh game for every group just because it took right, me right. so long to build the first one that uh, and I'm if you kinda, play it,
1: you'll know why. <laughs>
0: right? And so I'm just kind of running this one into the ground. And uh, and so far, it's yeah. still afloat. We're, I'm still getting uh, pretty steady bookings. So it's it's been fun.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, first of all, I encourage you to get in touch with Chris because the game is super fun. Check it out. Um, You can get in touch with us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can find our Discord channel there on the Discord tab. Uh, You can also, of course, reach out to us uh, via email uh, at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Call us at 770 tell btg You can find us at the best place usually is on the Twitter at podcastbtg at Slingerland. Um, and yes, find us in all the lovely podcasting places. I haven't said that in a long time. So give us five stars. Give us five stars. Five stars. We only accept five star reviews. Only. It's the only ones we want. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, until next time. Good night. What's
0: up? What's up? What's up? Building the game which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. Building the game, building the game which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. Dial 770 hotel btg Please don't use the email.